Don't you ever feel at times that you miss God? Just like I miss Him. Not because He's gone, but I miss Him. I was just kneeling here this morning, and as I said those words to the Lord, He said to me, and I miss you. He wants us to sit at His feet. He wants us to enjoy Him and to know Him. So really this morning, I wanted to really just kick off, it's our first meeting of the year. Um, we kind of like look to this day to set a trajectory in a sense for the year. I know we're not into resolutions. We should avoid those things. But to get into that place where we can set something in place, that we can set our face towards something that God has appointed for us in this year. Something for our faith to be transformed. I don't believe that we should be in the same place as we were last year, by the end of this year. That we should move on, that there should be some depth to something that we've experienced in God. A more meaningful time with Him. We can have meetings, but meaningful meetings is what we desire. Meaningful. I want a meaningful life in God. I don't want to just be called a Christian. I don't just want to go through the rhythms and the motions of being a child of God. I want to experience being a son in the house. Experience being close and know him. And so God has set this place for us this morning, and maybe that's the only thing that you need to hear, that he has set this place for us. I love the word. And I love to hear his voice. And I love his presence. And I love him. So what is that one thing that we need to do? Is there just the one thing? And maybe there is just the one thing. In Psalm 27, it says this one thing, have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple to talk to him. So, I must just give you a short testimony, because I felt I'd, I just need to say this. We were on, a, on our way, we'd been to Azerfontein just to scout around and have a look and see what kind of places we could live in. And we were on our way back, and about five k's out of um, out of uh, the main turn off that we turn off that, what's it, the R29, I think it is. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We're driving along the road, and about 50, 60 meters up ahead, there's quite a bit of traffic on the oncoming side, 
and we were on our way home, not much traffic, but there was a little bit of traffic. And this guy broke out of the broke out of the traffic coming toward us. And I promise you he wasn't just like overtaking, you know, on a because he shouldn't have been overtaking. He was actually he took off in a direction that was heading straight toward us. It was like how do you do this? So, I mean, everything starts working in, in, in that phase. And I pushed as hard as I could to the left-hand side of the road. There was a, a river on the side of the road that kind of like prevents people from going too far because there's a bit of a, a gully on the other side. And I hit the rib of that road. I literally hit it. I could feel lift the car. So I was riding on the rib. That's how we were in the in the yellow line already, and he was still coming toward us. The car in front of me did very much the same thing. He missed that car by millimeters, I promise you. And we were next, and I had put on the brake, and I was pressing the brake hard, but the car was still coming toward us. And I can honestly say to you, I don't know how. I don't know how he missed us, but he did. He did. He was coming straight. He was. It would be a head-on to head-on. I would not be standing here today, I promise you. It would have been a head-on, head-on. I don't know what he was, if he was sleeping or he was looking at his phone or whatever it is, but it seemed like he was sleeping because the, or the car pulled so far out of his lane. It was like a deliberate turn into our lane, straight into our lane. And the road is not narrow, it's quite wide at that point. So I want to thank Jesus. There are times that, that angels do work that we don't know. Because I don't know. I looked at that. I, was, I mean, my eyes were open. I was wide open. I was waiting, waiting for this moment. And I didn't see it. Gone. I don't even look into my rearview mirror. I don't know what happened afterwards. But there was no accident afterwards. It seemed like he came out. So today I want to really speak to you about the Father. And the Father filling, filling the room. There's a song that's just out. And I was listening to the song the other day. And it speaks about the Father in the room. And I'm going on the premise that God is not always in the room. That's why I want to preach about this and speak to you about this. And perhaps the presence of God is not filling the room. So he may not be in the room and he may not be filling the room. And perhaps because we've lost the presence or the person of the presence. And that's what God really wants to reveal to us today. So there are two statements, and there are loaded statements that God laid on my heart. And the first was this about his presence. So I'm going to read to you a portion of scripture in Exodus 33. And it says this, go up to the land, is it on the board? Okay. Go up to the land, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. 
but I will not go up with you. This is post the golden calf. You remember that the children of Israel, while Moses was on the mountain getting the law of God, something to live by, build a relationship with these people. While he was up there, they built a golden calf and they worshipped the golden calf and God was angry with them. And this was the result. This was the result. I will not go with you. You can go. I'll give you the promised land, but I'll, be not with, I'll not be with you. Sin separates us from God. You need to know that. Sin separates us. It doesn't matter how small, it separates us. It divides. It brings divide. brings division. And sometimes we lack the presence of God because there is sin in our lives. And you may say, oh, well, I don't sin. I'm not a sinner. I used to hate it when they say, I'm only, I, we sing this song, it's an old song, I'm only a sinner saved by grace. I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I sin, yes, but I'm not a sinner. I don't want to be a sinner. But sin separates us, even if it's small details of our life that separates from, it separates us from God. And Moses said to him, this was the answer that Moses gave to God after he said, I'm not going up with you. Moses said this, if your presence does not go, do not cause us to go from here. And now by what can it be known that I and your people have found favor in your eyes? Is it not in your going with us and are we not distinguished by your presence? I and your people, distinguished from all other nations which are on the face of the earth. There's nothing worth more. There's nothing worth more. We sing the song that could even come close and nothing that can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And that was something that God spoke to me about when I was thinking about his presence. He said to me, Henry, I am in my presence. Well, that is a weird statement to make. I am in my presence. And maybe that's it, friends, that there are times that we come to a meeting and we enjoy the worship and we feel his presence. Or we listen to the word of God and we walk away and we can feel and sense his presence even in the preaching of the word. But he comes to us and he says, I am in my presence. You missed me. You got my presence, but you've missed me. So that's the place I'm calling us back to this morning. You want a trajectory for the new year? Know his presence, but know the person of the presence. Sit at his feet. Enjoy him. Enjoy him. See, our Christian life cannot be explained outside of the presence of God. Cannot be explained. You cannot be a Christian without the knowledge of the presence. You cannot be a Christian without the person of the presence. 
And I know sometimes we get strangled in, uh, is this about God the Father? Or is this about Jesus? Is this about the Holy Spirit? And I want us not to even this morning to try and think and divide them because they are one. They are one God. So if we speak of the Father and we speak of missing the Father, it's about missing the Son. It's about missing the Holy Spirit. For He is our God. And then there was a second thing that God said to me. And again, it was a weird thing. I don't know why God said that to me. But He used the words cleansed and garnished. And it comes from a scripture that where Jesus had just delivered a man from an evil spirit. And he used the words swept and garnished. The man had been delivered. His heart was swept and garnished. And then it says, and it goes on in Luke 11, you don't have to go there. It goes on in Luke 11 and says, and this spirit came back. He said, I will go back to the house where I lived. And when he comes back, he finds it swept and garnished. And he goes away and gets seven of his friends, seven of other demons worse than he is, and come back to the house because the house is empty. And it's not about us being demonized or demon-filled or demon-possessed or demon uh, delivered from any from any of that, but it's we have been saved, we have been cleansed, we have been purified. When you have come to the feet of Jesus, He has forgiven you. God has set you free of all your sin, all your sin. No record of your sin holds any place in heaven. Not before the Father. But we need to have the house filled with Him needs to be filled. Is there not a scripture that says be filled and be being filled with God and His Spirit? It's an important aspect of our lives. So let me go on in Exodus 33. It says this in verse 18. Moses said, please show me your glory. And I wonder what that would look like if God had to reveal his glory here this morning. I wonder what it would look like. Show me your glory, please. Show me your glory. I hear your voice, and I love your voice, and I love hearing what you're saying. But show me your glory. Show me what you're like. Show me this God that I believe in, this God that I trust. And God said this, I will. I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. And what did that look like? What was he saying? My goodness, my goodness. verse in Exodus 34 just a chapter later it says this in verse 5 the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there Moses stood with him there 
What would it feel like to have God stand with you right now? Folks, I'm drawing you in. I'm not trying to decorate this thing just with fancy words. I'm drawing you into that place, that you can come to that place where he can stand beside you. He can be with you. That he can be with you. We have a with you theology. We believe in God being with us all the time, everywhere, wherever we are, whatever's happening in our lives. He's with us. It is a with us theology. But what does with us mean? It means the person of God is at our side. The person of God is with me. But even in that, there are moments that we lose God. Where is he? And if you've been angry with God, because he hasn't pitched on any particular thing, upset with God, miffed with God, that you don't feel in a great space, how easily we are distracted by different things in our lives, different things that have come in our lives during this week, what's ahead of us, our jobs, our family, our health, distracted, and it doesn't feel like God is with me. But he is. And we, did, we need to develop a posture of with me. We need to develop that in our spirits, in our hearts, in our faith. He is with me. With me in person. Not just in presence. Not just in a, a, a concept. God is not a concept. He's a person. Living person here with us this morning, sitting beside you. How's that possible? But he's sitting beside us. And he's sitting beside those people in Australia. He's sitting beside those people in America. He's sitting beside them. He's a big God. We have diminished God into a small God who only knows me when I'm really desperate for him. No, all day, every day with me. And this is what he says in chapter 34. The Lord passed before Moses again and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord. Proclaimed his name. Why would God need to proclaim his name? Is it not that same name by which we are blessed with everything? Is there any other name on earth? Is there any other name that is higher than his name? And he proclaims his name. What did that sound like? I wonder. A roaring lion. Ever heard the voice? Or a roaring lion, even if it's in the distance, there's something about it. You know what I'm talking about. And God proclaimed his name. And this is what he says. A God of mercy, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, 
and abounding in steadfast love, faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. And we can stop there for a moment. Do we know this God? That there's nothing that should separate us. Nothing that should separate us from his presence. Nothing that should separate us from his person. That is his desire. That is his longing. He longs to be with you. He longs to be with you. He longs to be present with you. And he wants you to be present with him. And that's the stirring that I have for your hearts this morning, that we will become present with him. I'm going to close. I believe God has spoken to you. It's not about what I've just said, but I believe God has spoken to you because he wants you to hear his heart. He wants to fill your heart with him. So what is the one thing? What is the, tra- the thing that drives the tra- trajectory of our lives as children of God, as sons of God? His presence. Nothing else. And that he is present in his presence. At the end of my message this morning, I want to ask you this. Have you ever used the name Abba for your father? The word Abba is used three times in the New Testament. Just three times. It's used in Mark 14 by Jesus himself. It would seem, why would Jesus use the word Abba. And the word is, a, is, a, is, a, is an endearing term for God. You could literally say Daddy, and you would not be wrong. Daddy, my father, Daddy. It would be a, a sound that every Hebrew father, every Jewish father in, in Israel would hear often by his children calling out Av, Av, which is a Hebrew form of Abba. Abba. Daddy. And Jesus uses it once that it's recorded. And it's recorded by Mark. And maybe this is a question that you would like theologically answered. How do we know what Jesus said when he was praying at the Garden of Gethsemane? How do we know? Did Jesus have the time to tell his disciples? It's just a sneaky peek. I think Mark was there. The other three disciples were sleeping, but Mark was there sneaking around. And he heard. 
because he's the only one that recorded it, and this is what Jesus said. He said, Abba, Father, if it is possible for you to remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. It's a common thought that we could easily miss if we use the word Abba, but in the heart of it comes these terms, I will obey you. That's what Jesus said, Abba Father. Can it be possible that this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done? My obedience to you. It is good for us to hear that, so that we learn obedience. But of course, obedience is very misunderstood. It kind of feels like God wants to be hard on us, but that's not the truth. Obedience is about our trust. Do you trust me? Do you trust my presence? Do you trust my person? Do you trust my person? Do you trust me in everything? Do you lean into me? Because that is your obedience. It's your first obedience to trust him. If you don't trust him, you won't know him. And you can't fall around many times. So I know there's miss, I've missed out a chunk of my message this morning. But I want to ask you this morning, realistically, do you trust him? With all your heart. That you don't lean onto your own understanding, but in all your ways you acknowledge who? The person. Him. You acknowledge Him. You don't just wait for the moment of His presence, but you acknowledge Him. And He will direct your paths. One last scripture. found in Isaiah 1 he uses these words this is from the father of heaven come now and let us reason together says the Lord your father your God though your sins are like scarlet they shall be as white as snow and they, they, though they are red like crimson they shall become like wool if you are willing and obedient, you hear those words, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Perhaps this morning there are some of us that have slipped up a little, and I was going to focus a little bit on slipping up and stumbling, but I'm not going to go there today. But perhaps there are some of us that have slipped up. We've missed God. Some of our prayers, even this morning, as we pray together as a, as a team, people were saying, I've missed God. I missed my quiet time. I didn't have as much time with God. I missed this, or I, I, I fell short, or I, I, I did too much of this and too little of that. And today we stand at a place where we can say, God, I want you to be present in my life. But before he can be present in our lives, we need to deal with this. And that's why he uses the words, come now, let us reason together and let us cleanse you. Let us set you free from all your sins. 
So that would be the first part of my appeal today, to ask God to forgive you. Have you been ignoring God? That you enjoy coming here to this building, enjoying coming to this place, listening to good worship and listening to good preachers and listening to good prayers. But you forgot about him who's in the building with us, with us. Reasoning with you this morning, saying to you, I miss you. I miss you. I miss you. I want to hear your voice again. I want you close to me. And may that be the trajectory of our lives today, every day, into the rest of this year. May we know his presence and his person and be close to him and drawn close to him.